Okay, we're going back to 1 Corinthians and chapter 4. Matter of fact, I'll just read the first uh, five verses, which are going to be the text of this entire message. Brother Mark uh, Hopper told me this evening when I come in, he just said, um, well, you got, uh, uh, this morning's message was half of number one, okay? So, uh, and he's probably right, but uh, hopefully we can get a little bit further than that tonight. But let's look here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And moreover, it is, uh, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray as we go into this message tonight, Lord, and I knew you had a purpose for impressing it on my heart uh, really months ago, and yet uh, just now getting around to preaching it. Now, Lord, I just pray that you'd help me to rightly divide your word, but Lord, the most important thing is that Holy Spirit speak to each and every heart in this auditorium, those listening by uh, WTYG, as well as those watching on live stream tonight. And I just pray that this would bring glory to your name. It would edify the people, but especially it would glorify the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I ask this in your holy name. Amen. Well, this morning we finished verse 1 about a steward. We gave various uh, definitions of a steward. And um, I was going to point out, didn't get to that point, that's how far I didn't get to it, but a steward, for an example, uh, the elder servant of Abraham's uh, house. Uh, in chapter 15 and verse 2 of Genesis, he, he prays to the Lord, uh, he says, the only guy I have for the inheritance of all that God had given him was this Eliezer, and he wanted his own. His name was called Abram at that point. <clears throat> Abram means father. Now, here he is in a strange land. He's traveling that now for some time. And he has this name Abram. And the word Abram means father. So, people that year, that day, when they come in, what is your name? Abram. Oh, father, yeah. How many children do you have? None. Okay. And so, I mean, that was an ongoing thing. He prayed, he prayed about it. He was praying that in uh, Genesis 15. Now, Eliezer was evidently a good man because uh, Abraham was able to trust him to send him into that far country from where he came from, from where Abraham came from, and uh, get a bride for Isaac, his son, that would be coming. Now, that would be a little bit later, but he 
obviously was a very trusted man. And he would do the right thing. We know that he did it with prayer. If you read the account, he did it with prayer in his heart. So evidently he's a godly man, and that's a good thing. But you know, the Lord didn't, I mean, he didn't want him to be the inheritor of all that he had accumulated, which was much. He's a very rich man. And as a matter of fact, uh, after chapter 15, you keep reading, and you'll find that uh, he still prays about this. And finally, the Lord changes his name, says, you'll no longer be called Abram, Father. I'm going to change your name. Oh, that's great. What's it going to be? Abraham, Father of Multitudes. <laughs> now it's a big joke, okay? As far as in his mind, he's thinking, but guess what? Uh, you and I are really because he followed the Lord. In that sense, we are children of Abraham because the gospel came down through the children of Israel, down through that as it's passed on down. And people around the world that come to Christ come through that family line, you might say. And so that, that, that's one of those special blessings. But now he's a father of multitudes. And then uh, kind of putting the shoe on the other foot, you think of uh, near the end of Genesis in chapter 43 in verse 19, that there is Joseph in Egypt. He's the guy that enforces everything. I mean, only Pharaoh is over him. He is the steward of Pharaoh. If something had happened to Pharaoh back then, uh, he would probably have been the person to take over. Uh, he, I mean, he laid out the law. He did everything for the people in Egypt. And we remember... Uh, how the seven good years and the seven bad years, and Pharaoh promoted him. And he was Pharaoh's steward. He could be trusted uh, with that gift of leadership that he had. Now, in Eliezer's case, Joseph's case, they were men that could be well trusted by the one that was over them. You and I, when we got saved, we received gifts from God, spiritual gifts, with the intention, not only the gift of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's gift to us to always be there with us, but also to give us guidance through the Word of God. And so we have that gift to guide our lives. And so as a steward, Joseph did very well. Eliezer did very well. But the same is expected of us, that with what God has entrusted to us, do it well. I told you this morning as we looked at all those things like that, I was saying I have a duty in the sense that as we looked at verse uh, 1 there as ministers and stewards. As a steward, I have a responsibility to provide for the voyage of life to God's people the food from His Word of, of doctrine and of righteousness and God's direction in our day-to-day -day living from His Word. So my duty is to provide that spiritual food for God's people in the voyage of life. Because as any steward, I have to partake of that food as well. And so that is laid out for us. And so my responsibility is to go to the pantry of God's Word, especially 
as it's ordered by the Lord of all. Now, you ever watch those uh, programs on TV, maybe watch an old program of some kind, and <clears throat> there's uh, uh, the head man that's of the household, but the owner says, okay, we want this served tonight. Go serve this. Go serve that. We get this ready for this evening. And he would see to it. He'd follow up. The steward would follow up, make sure the kitchen helped. Everything else got everything done accordingly. And so <clears throat> that's what we have. We go to the pantry of God's Word and find what the Lord wants. As a pastor, I have to do that. But in our own lives, each of us individually, God, what do you want from me? That's why you should have a daily time in the Word of God. That's why we impress on you to try to uh, read the Bible through each year. Read the Bible through daily. There's a daily Bible reading schedule for you. Why? That you'll know the Lord all the more, to know His person. As I tell young couples when they're coming to me for premarital counseling, I say, look, you want to marry this person that you're going to marry to each of you because you really know this person and you love them. It will be less than a month after you're married you realize you didn't know this person at all. And, and, and you know, that, that, that's what it is. Well, we get saved. I mean, we belong to the Lord. The Bible likens salvation to marriage. If you read Ephesians 5, you see that. And when it says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. And, and that's, that wife is representing what a believer is to be to Christ. The husband's what a uh, representative of what Christ is to be the believer. One thing about that is that uh, as Christ will hear our prayers, sometimes the husband won't hear his wife's voice. Just, no, 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 we're, we're not going to do that. Now, blah, 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 and it becomes an argument. But what I'm trying to say is, is this, that relationship with the Lord is very, very close and very, very intimate. It should be. And so, we have that walk with God as stewards of what He's given to us. In Acts 5, the, uh, Exodus, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I said Exodus and Acts. Now, both, both of those were wrong. If you followed my Bible reading schedule through, you would have known that, okay? You would have known it. That was Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. But he said, in talking about all that stuff about marriage, I speak of Christ and the church. In other words, the individual believer. Part of his called out assembly. And so we have that responsibility before God as stewards and then ministering what he's giving us to do. So, just... Uh, from this first verse alone, we must see that as stewards of the gospel, that we not only witness that gospel to a lost and dying world, but we each must stay true to the doctrines, the, the commands, and the directions of the Word of God. Therefore, it needs to be a great, important part of our life. So therefore, people... should see us. Now, whether they do or not, they may not. The devil likes to blind the eyes of people. But nonetheless, they ought to see us as ministers and stewards of the mysteries and righteousness and true holiness 
of the Lord and His person in our daily life. Now, you do that, you'll get called hypocrite, you'll call, get called a fake, but if you're doing it by the Word of God, it doesn't really matter what they're saying. Because in the final analysis, they are not going to be seated at the judgment seat of Christ, handing out the judgment. So keep that in mind. Now, verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, look, having the position of whatever it is, and it is a position. As a pastor, I'm in a position. Brother Stembridge is in a position as a minister of music. Every Sunday school teacher is in a position. But every believer is in a position because he has sent each and every one of us to be lights in the world. So each of us have a position in this life. If you're saved, you have a position. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Uh, last, uh, this past week in the revival meeting, Brother uh, Pelletier was talking about being faithful, being faithful, the, being at church when those doors are open, being, being there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, being there. Don't take the easiest excuse you can find to not be there. Be faithful. Something's going on. Be faithful. So, see, preach that. Uh, as believers and as members of the house of God that He has placed us in, in our position, it is very important that we are faithful. To have position and be unfaithful is a vain Christian life. Now you say, well, I think they go a little bit too far with that being faithful in your attendance. Okay. And preacher, please don't say what you're going to say. No, I'm going to say it anyway. Because God said it. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. We're to exhort one another and to love and good works. One of those good works is being faithful. Not forsaking that I-N-G. You know, uh, sometimes word studies are very good. And that I-N-G on the back of that forsake. Forsake means to leave altogether. Forsaking has the idea of they're not there, they're not there, they're not there. In other words, a person that goes when it's only convenient, better hope that when there's an emergency in your home, that God doesn't answer, well, I would, but it's not convenient for me right now. You don't expect that kind of an answer from God. So why do we give him that kind of an answer about why we're not faithful? So, again, the important thing is let the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God help reveal your heart and life to you and let Him determine, let Him determine what is right and be faithful to whatever it is He would have you to do. So each Christian, we're stewards of the gifts that are given by God to each of us in addition to keeping the commandments and treasures of God's words, meditating them in them daily. You say, well, you sound like you're talking about the law. Well, let me tell you something that is in the Old Testament, but I don't think that it's really written in what happened on the mount there when Moses got the law and he gave the law to the people. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. That's still true today. Principles and ethics were not for the Old Testament only. 
Principles and ethics stand today. Why? Because everything in that Old Testament, everything in that New Testament is still holy. And it's right. And that's what we ought to do. And so we abide by the Word of God. Now sometimes it'll be a Sunday night, it'll be a Wednesday night. Well, I got a little bit of a headache and I got to go to work tomorrow. Well, the question is this. That little headache, would it keep you out of work tomorrow if you had it tomorrow? Well, well preacher don't understand. You know, I got I to gotta be there. I got to earn it. If you can go and work with that headache, you can go to God's house with that headache. And so, let's, 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 not, let's not make flimsy excuses for our unfaithfulness and our unrighteousness. Let, let's be strong for the Lord. We're living in the last days. And what you read of the last days, as far as the earth is concerned, those things are not good. There's troubles. There's trials. And yet, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is still our strength in whatever we go. Now, you're not going to have the joy of the Lord if you're living in disobedience to His commandments. It's just not going to be there. Daily, 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 finish. Each thing that God would have you to do that day rightly, that's true faithfulness regardless of the trials that you are experiencing at the time. Can you think of a greater trial than the cross? You've heard various uh, details of what they went through on the cross, and our evangelist gave us some. You've heard me say some of the things, and other preachers up here say some of the things of the, the sufferings of the cross. I would call that a trial. Jesus knew no sin, but every sin for all time will be placed upon him. And yet, in the midst of a trial that you and I will never face as believers, he spoke to a thief on the cross, and that thief got saved. He says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. In the midst of his trial, he was a steward. Now verse 3 says, but with me, and here's the, here's the thing that, <laughs> that's really, this, this verse, when you read it, you think, oh, eh, because it's not true, these first few words. But with me, it's a very small thing. <laughs> with most of us, it's not a very small thing. It's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. It doesn't stop right there. He says, yea, I judge not mine own self. We've got to be concerned more of what God knows of our inner man, of what God knows completely about us. We've got to be more concerned about that than what people are thinking or gossiping about or saying or anything of that nature. Even we don't evaluate ourselves rightly. We try to, <clears throat> you ever sit in, in school and everybody in a class didn't make a good grade, you know? Most of them didn't make a good grade, so they graded on the curve. Uh, don't expect the Lord to grade on the curve in your life. 
So what people think of you and how they judge you is nothing because they may not have sanctified thinking and judgment. Read and meditate on God's Word. That's where your victory is. That's where my victory is. That's where all of our victory is in Christ. It's to His Word. It was preserved for us with men shedding blood to preserve this Word. And asking Him to give you perception and understanding of His Word. Probably almost every morning, if not every morning, in my personal prayer uh, that I pray when, before I do what you might say, praying for others and the things like that, is I pray that God help me to have perception of when His Spirit is trying to lead me in, to a certain direction, but also to be special to have perception of His Word. Not just to read it and say, I understand what's there. No, to perceive truth that I'm not seeing at that moment. You've got to have perception, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. I ask Him for perception, uh, and that's a part of understanding. Spirit of wisdom is the knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as action, but understanding is being able to perceive. It's being able to discern between the spirit of truth and error, truth and a lie, right and wrong, good and bad, the holy and the unholy. We need that discernment. If we're going to live, as Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That word service in its Greek form has the idea of worship. Worshiping God even by living according to His Word and wanting to live that way. And so, when we find that we do that, get, getting that perception that we get it from God, go forward in that. If the rest of the world doesn't understand it, go forward in it. The world will never be our final judge. Other Christians won't be our final judge. You won't be your own final judge. Every Christian will appear at the judgment seat of Christ, every last one of us who are saved. We need to be guided in all courses and actions of life by the Word of God, by His Holy Spirit working in us and through us through the Word of God, faithfully continuing to be faithful. Continue to be faithful. There is nowhere in the Bible where you'll find that you've been saved and faithful long enough now you don't have to do those things anymore. You just don't find that teaching. If you're faithful long enough, then we'll let up and, and then you can just take it easy the rest of your life. No, you don't see it that way. Faithful in your walk. Faithful in your obedience to God by His Holy Spirit as you walk through His Word listening to His every word that He has to say to you by His Holy Spirit as He speaks to your heart. And you've heard me say this before, but I want to say it again. Get to know God's Word so well that when somebody introduces something to you using some Scripture, but you've got to know 
you've grown to know the Lord so well, you've known His person so well through the Word of God that you know that there's a place where that contradicts the Word of God and His person. And you know it's wrong. In other words, you're wanting the voice of God to be as familiar, and as a matter of fact, more familiar in your heart, in your spirit, in your very being, your inner man, than the wife of your spouse to your ear. See, that's where we need to be in this present life. Each of us shall give an account of himself unto God. None of us are exempt of that. Each will give an account of himself unto God, and those that are going to criticize us, those that are going to attack us, or whatever, and many times it will be other Christians. And that's all right, because one day, they too, if they're saved, are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. If they're not saved, they're going to stand at the white throne, and that'll be far worse. But one day, they'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ and find out that perhaps you far exceeded them in the walk with God in righteousness and true holiness. Remember, there are false accusations that are made against you are just that. They're false. So, don't react as if they're true, because they're not. If it's a false accusation, it's a false accusation. Don't let that keep you from continuing with full bore ahead in the gift and calling that God has given you. Don't let them make it change your mind, go another direction, because then you've just helped them to give Satan a victory. We don't want him to have those victories. And so, People will attack you. They say all matter of evil against you falsely for his name's sake. When they, when they uh, do these things, and you can't figure out why, just remember as they scorn, as they gossip, they talk to others. One of the things that's going to just pierce their heart like everything if they find it out before they get to heaven and they didn't like you, they wanted to destroy you, that all that they did helped to build your reward in heaven. As a matter of fact, let's just see what Jesus, I mean, uh, would you argue with Jesus? I, I believe everyone in this auditorium is smart enough not to argue with Jesus. Okay, so he said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, those standards should be holy standards in your life, not standards that are relevant to the world. We've got to change now because that's, the world looks down on that. The world thinks we're stupid. The world thinks we're ignorant. The world thought Jesus was ignorant. They thought John and Peter was ignorant. I mean, how would you like to be like John and Peter and standing before the Sanhedrin? All of them would be, in our day, would be equal to well-earned, the highest degrees earned in doctrines. And they made note before everybody 
they are ignorant and unlearned men. Yet, in all their great intelligence, they couldn't stand to the testimony and witness those men had. And so they stood, they stood. Now, in verse 11 of Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all matter of evil against you for my sake. Look, because you're staying close to the Word, and you live by the Word, a preacher preaches the Word, however it goes, I mean, my duty is to preach the Word as it is to men as they are. And the way men are today, we're not going to go along with because the Word doesn't go along with So we don't compromise that to be relevant to the world. Let's stay relevant to God. That's where our relevancy needs to lie. So verse 12 said, rejoice. Wait a minute. They're saying all matter of evil against you falsely. You're persecuted for doing righteousness sake, being a witness or whatever, having these standards, they, they say things against it. All, they're, they're persecuting you for that? And we're to rejoice? Yes. See, rejoice and be exceedingly, not just glad, be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And when he said, great is your reward, that's God's promise. That's his promise. Don't turn to the flesh to fight against the flesh that's attacking. Turn to the Spirit of God and his word to stand and to continue to stand. Your reward is great in heaven. And sometimes we just miss the idea of what that really means. I mean, think about it. On the first day, the end of the first day, of creation, and God saw that it was good. Second day, God saw that it was good. Every day at the end, he would say, and God saw that it was good. Now, you look at these heaven and earth, this creation, I mean, man is still trying to find and explore the beauties just of the earth, let alone of the heavens, of space. Oh, we're, we talk about that. Uh, isn't this a beautiful starlit night on those clear nights? And we see those stars out. We see a full moon out. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Or it's something else going on, and we talk about the beauty. We look from the mountaintop and look over and see all those things, and it's beautiful. I remember the first time I went up to uh, my wife's uh, parents' house that lived up there in North Carolina, and they lived right up in the mountains. We went up to the top of the mountain. I was able to look down over the valley. Man, that thing was beautiful. I, I was just awestruck by it all. I've uh, been to the Grand Canyon. That, that's something else. I mean, uh, that's the furthest I ever spit in my life. And, uh, but it's there. It's there. You know, it's, and, and you look at all that beauty. It's wonderful. God called it good. But wow. He says great. I mean, good is good, but great? 
great is your reward. So stay true, stay faithful, and you do that believing great is your reward. Let them talk. Let them say what they're going to say. Because great is your reward. That's what we're interested in. Because that means we glorified the Lord. We brought honor to Him. That became our goal in life was to serve Him His way according to His will, according to His time. And so, be faithful. Be faithful. It's so important. That ought to be our attitude, our heart, to be true to God all of our days. You see, that's the kind of revival every Christian needs in their heart and life when they especially are starting to drift from that absolute commitment to Christ that they should have, that I should have, that we all should have. We start to drift. We go away. And the problem with that is that drifting may result in an effect that we don't want on our progeny. Your children, your grandchildren. Because we did not stay true. We tried late things. We tried too late, but it was good that you tried. Because using His Word may have left something in their heart when they're going through the trials of life. But you see, today you see so many churches going to a full conversion to the woke culture, and that is going to be disastrous. As a matter of fact, a disastrous end for the great-grandchildren, grandchildren of people who are now with the Lord because they had children. Oh, they went to church, they did those things, but then they didn't stay true to it. You know, isn't it interesting to, it, it, what well, it is interesting to me is, it's kind of depressing, but it's interesting. That I'll see people in their church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, they have their kids in church, make sure they're in the uh, youth programs, the other programs that we have. Uh, one of the th things that I've found, though, is that over the years, kids will come back to church for the first few weeks, they're married and all that, and then they'll start having their family. All of a sudden, Church gets on the back burner. It's just not as important. I've got these things I've got to do. I, I have these other things. Say, well, you've got a job, okay. Uh, let's just say you're a fireman, you're a policeman, you're, you're a doctor, you're a nurse. And yes, you've got to be at the hospital. You've got to be at those jobs. And uh, when you are scheduled to work those days, you've got to be there. That, that, that's understandable. But when you stay home, for example, I think the Super Bowl is going to be coming up sometime. I don't even know who's playing. But uh, if, the, if they've even decided that yet. But I'm, what I'm saying is, is that uh, if a person would stay home and watch a Super Bowl instead of being God's house, that person, they're saved, is not right with God. And don't ask for an apology because one is not coming. Now, stand. Stand up for Jesus. That is our call. That is what we need. You know, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper tonight. We ought to take that supper with clean hands. With clean hands. Do the right thing. Ask yourself, what is my priority? 
in life? Is it truly God's will? If it's not, then revival is needed in your heart. That's why I say you can go through a revival meeting. I've watched over the years. I've seen multitudes come down an aisle. I've seen many come down an aisle and make decisions. And a few months later, nothing's followed up on that in their life. They got caught up in the emotion of the moment, but they didn't get caught up in a commitment to Christ. And basically, they came to an altar. Lord, it's all for Jesus. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. Oh, the Lord is this. And didn't follow up. You basically, in the house of God, told a lie to God. You said, well, I didn't mean to. You told a lie to God whether you're meant to or not. Your decisions are of utmost importance. Now, I, I can imagine somebody listening tonight, whether they're on live stream or watching, uh, or listening, not watching on radio. They're watching me on radio. They've got some kind of a radio. But um, listening on radio. Well, I can't really agree with that. It doesn't make it false when it's true. Agreement with it doesn't make it false. If you have a problem with that about those decisions we made that we went back on, uh, make it right. Make it right. Make it right. It's our inner man that must be honest with God and ourselves. Our heart song needs to be from the psalmist. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, that's a great request to make of God, and I would hope it would be an honest and sincere request. But then to forsake that leading and not to pursue His will to follow His leading makes that prayer, that song, of no effect. Not because God's power is not in it, not because God's strength is in it. It's because our own personal inner man lacks the character to stick to our word. You see, that's where it comes to. Yes, lead me in the way everlasting that best glorifies my God. Allowing you, Lord, to judge my actions and my choices by your word. Rather than me trying to judge my own works and walk. Saying, well, I think, I think I'm doing well. I think I'm doing, boy, I've got it going down. Our attitude of heart 
of our person must see. It always, always must be with blessed assurance in my heart of the Word of God. My walk, my life must be God's will, God's way, God's timing, and I know it by the Word of God. Then you move forward in that step because we've said much in the last year about the problems in this country. They're terrible. They're hard. They're a multitude of troubles. It just seems like, you know, people talk about Chicago. And boy, you know, how many got killed up there this week? And how many got shot? You know, what happened there? Don't be surprised that comes to Ocala, Florida. Uh, you realize that Florida is the most conservative state in the United States. Now, now, that's a good thing. Now, I don't know how they came up with that, but that's what they say by their things, all these people that do that. And uh, they come to that thing that we're the most conservative state. Well, that's a good thing. But conservatism is not what wins it. It is the Lord. But we've got to stand. I believe that Isaiah says it the best. Glorify, glorify ye the Lord in the fires. It's a shame that it doesn't take much to get us off the course and off the line. Just remember, you probably won't glorify the Lord in the fires. Be ready. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Keep eternity set in your heart. So don't try to judge yourself. Rather, serve Him according to the Word and allow His Holy Spirit to lead you by it. If you're following the Word of God as it is to us as we are, you won't have to worry about judging yourself. Now, we are to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, see if we're walking according to the Word of God and rightly dividing the Word of God and, and living by that Word. That is the responsibility of each of us. But the final judge that counts on did we will be the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why walk according to His Word. Now, tonight, I get to do an honor a high honor, a very high honor. That is, as a steward of God here at Central Baptist Church, to administer the Lord's Supper along with our deacons. And no, sometimes you think of that, you read in the Bible that Last Supper, and Jesus saying, this is my body which is broken for you. And they pass it around. He administered this supper. But this supper was also about him from the Passover to the Day of Atonement. 
it was all about him. What he was going to do to obtain salvation for us. And to know what it took for my salvation. To have that cruelty to his body. To have the devils freely moving around there at Calvary that would just try to stimulate every kind of uh, filth and torture that could be administered. But far greater than that, to know that the Father in heaven, when he saw my sin upon the Lord Jesus Christ, my sin, not his, my sin, Christ had no sin. My sin was placed upon him. And the wrath of Almighty Father God who created this world was poured out on the human spirit of Jesus Christ. And Jesus did that willingly for us. Who am I to minister such bread? Who am I that Jesus, after knowing all that would happen to his body, would next pass the cup? I've read where some try to say, well, they passed the cup secondly because God designed the body. You eat the food first for digestion's sake because drinking liquid first interferes with the digestion process. I don't know, okay? Don't say, oh, that's pretty smart, Brother Andy. Yeah, somebody's pretty smart because I read it. But then that juice, the pure blood of the grape, that juice, did not have any alcohol content because Jesus' blood was pure blood, had no sin in it, none whatever, and therefore that leaven, the product of decay, is, which is what alcohol is, what that wine is, it was the pure blood of the grape, grape juice. Why? Because the body suffered for it. But it was the blood, because the life is in the blood, that gave me everlasting life. And I administer that in his house? Who am I? Oh, but that day, that day when we're caught up to be with him and at the marriage supper of the Lamb, he's going to administer to us. Oh, I'm not worthy to administer that death. And I wasn't worthy to receive his salvation. But he loved me. Oh, the misery of thought that although forgiven and cleansed, the many failures.
who am I? I want to finish well. That I might hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And folks, let that be your heart. For me, most of you are just, that I know a little bit more personally than I do others. You're fine people, you're good people, godly people. But I don't know your heart. God does. Is there revival needed in your heart before we go to see Jesus? It may be rapture. It may be taken from this life before the rapture. But at any moment of any day, be ready to see the Lord. Let's bow our heads, please.